Anyone who scores a goal, I'll tell you, it's the best feeling in the world. If that's in a cup game, in a league game, in front of five people, in front of 50,000, 80,000 fans, there's no better moment. The emotion, the adrenaline, is phenomenal. Welcome to Season 2 of Football Stories, the show that digs a little deeper into the beautiful game. I'm Jim Salverson, and while Season 1 was all about the untold stories off the pitch, Season 2 is all about the stories on it. I'm going to be speaking over the course of this series to some of those who have played the game at the very highest level, alongside some of the greats, and hearing their stories. Today I'm talking to former Borough striker Andy Campbell, who spent seven years up in the North East before gradually slipping down the leagues, driven by a quest to continue playing first-team football. Not only is Andy a man who knows football at all levels, but he's also a regular podcaster. He's got his own EFL-focused show, The Andy Campbell Football Show, which is on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot, where he talks about everything from the championship and beyond. I caught up with Andy to chat about his career, and a few of the talking points from the game right now are chat directly followed the Premier League's social media blackout in 2001 that was a stand against online abuse. So we do touch on that. I've also always been fascinated by a picture of Andy that you might well have seen online. It's a picture of him playing for the under-21s. It's the squad shot before the game, and he's surrounded by a bevy of household names, all of which who went on to play for England at the very top level, something that Andy never quite managed to do, despite his frightening pace in the game. So that picture was where I started our conversation. Today's football story comes from Andy Campbell. How are you doing, Andy? Hi, Jim. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm going to go right off the bat with this because I mentioned England youth prospect there and I was looking at a picture of you lining up for the England under-21s a couple of days ago alongside some pretty notable names as well. Richard Wright, Kieran Dyer, Seth Johnson, Jamie Carragher, Rio Ferdinand, Gareth Barry, Frank Lampard, Emil Heskey, Lee Hendry, all in the lineup alongside you. I mean... You probably don't need me to ask who's the odd one out from that collection. Yeah, listen, uh, you know what I mean? I'd, a proud moment for me to be involved in that group and to play in that game, that particular game. I say it was a big game and we borrowed quite a lot of the superstars for that game because obviously we needed to qualify for the for the Euros. And uh, obviously Emil and Frank and Rio, uh, Jamie Carragher, Etal were all fully involved in the full squad. But um, obviously Kevin Keegan, the England manager at the time, uh, allowed Howard Wilkinson, our manager, to bring in all of the players to get us over the line and and I thoroughly, I thoroughly did it with fine colours and, and it was a great moment for me because I was a regular in the Premier League at the time for Middlesbrough and, uh, and, and I thoroughly uh, enjoyed my moment and, and obviously the experience which went with it and obviously I got myself a, a few caps along the way to, um, to play in the, in, the, in, the, in the summer tournament which was great but yeah, a brilliant experience and something that nobody can take away really. What I'm hinting at of course is that out of that selection of players you are the one that didn't go on to make any senior appearances for your country and it, it's an amazing amazing achievement to play professional football someone that the likes of me could only dream to do it's an even more amazing achievement to go and play for your country at any level at all but I know how driven professional sportsmen are and I know how critical professional sportsmen are of their own performances as well so how did that weight hang on you going forward the fact that you had been in this amazing under 21 setup but you never quite made the step up to the senior team do you know what it didn't because I, okay. I wasn't I, I, and I've always been honest all the way through my career that I never saw myself as a good footballer I saw myself with certain attributes with no, with nobody had I'd say I was probably one of the if not the quickest player in the Premier League you know what I mean I'm not I'm not blowing me on trumpet there you know what I mean I had something mm. that nobody else had and my ability 
wasn't as good as a lot of other people technically wise you know what I mean I, I, I didn't have the, the touch what other people had I didn't have the control what other people had but I had something which worked and as long as I found the right strike partner throughout my career I, I seem to I seem to get away with quite a lot and yeah, playing with someone like Emil was, was great you know that I, I struggled throughout my England youth career when I played with Michael Owen because Michael was technically better than me Michael was just as quick as me if not you know what I mean there was um, comparisons there but I, we always struggled because we were too similar I always needed that person to uh, to take the pressure off me and do the things that I wasn't very good at <laughs> and you know what I mean and that partnership with Emil was was great for me you know what I mean and I never really found it in the national squad you know what I mean and I, I was always catching people like Michael mm-hmm. up and having someone like Michael in front of you you're never going to really break in you know so it was, it was you know what I mean? I was too similar, I think. And I'm not being down on myself. I'm not being critical. I was just, I just knew my limitations as a player. And listen, I wasn't even the best player in my youth team at Middlesbrough, but I was driven. I was more determined than, than anybody in my group. I wanted to be, make it as a professional football and I would have walked over every one of my family members to get there and to play for my hometown club. And I got the best out of the ability that I had. And that's why I've got no regrets in football because mm-hmm. I've got no regrets I didn't play my country at, at, at senior level. I would have loved to have done it. And I tried my best to do it. But, you know, I mean, I dropped down the level that I dropped down to to, to play football. And once mm. I did that, I think I, I give up that opportunity to play for my country because at the time you didn't get, like you do now, players in the Championship getting an opportunity for England where, you know, it happens. Back then it didn't happen. You were a Premier League player and if you were a Premier League player, you, you never played for your country. You mentioned your blistering pace. How do you think you would have got on in the modern game? Because I think now football's moved on to a place where potentially pace is more important than it ever has been before. So do you think you would yeah. have adapted well to the current game as it is? I think I would have done with my pace. I think I would have, I would have had to adapt as in positionally wise. I think I would have had to play behind a centre forward who who was technically very good, who would hold the ball up. So I wouldn't be a centre forward anymore. I'd be probably a, a wide player. I look at the Rashfords, I look at the Greenwoods for United, for example, who, you know what I mean, start off wide and drift in and play mm. off the Cavani's of this world and, and, and the Sterlings, you know what I mean, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself, but I'm comparing myself with the guys with pace and they get loads of joy because they play up front, or play wide off, off a real good centre forward who's got technical ability and, and yeah, I, I, I think I probably would have been able to do okay and, 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 and because they had that pace and pace scares people. You know what I mean? My pace scared people all the time because I'd scare people in the first minute, but I'd scare people in the, in the 91st minute because they're getting tired and, and my pace was still there and it always scares people to death. It drops teams off mm. 10 yards and it, and it looked like it does nowadays in, in 2021. So yeah, I think I would have probably been able to shake it up with the best of them in the minute with, with pace. You had some brilliant moments throughout your career not least scoring the winning goal in the FA Cup versus Manchester United for Middlesbrough. It's the FA Cup final coming up in a few weeks. How are those players going to feel? The ones that do that particularly in that game, the ones that score that winning goal and go on to lift the trophy. Oh, listen, it's, uh, scoring any goal is, is, is great, but doing it against a, a world-class side. Listen, I, I was very fortunate in my career. I scored two goals against United, both at the Riverside, and both because of the pace that I had. <laughs> you know what I mean? That the, the, the ball wasn't balls over the top, but the pace was the issue which caused the goals. And anyone who scores a goal, I'll tell you, it's the best feeling in the world. If that's in a cup game, in a league game, in front of five people, in front of 50,000, 80,000 fans, there's no better moment. You know what I mean? And, and those are the things that I, I miss from football is mm-hmm. that moment and then that feeling of scoring goals, the emotion, the adrenaline, because you can't replicate it. Regardless of what you try to do in your life, the, the moments you have in your life, probably the closest probably feeling in my lifetime is probably when my children were born and... and, and 
but even still, you know what I mean? It's it's that moment that everyone else is proud of being pleased with the noise. You don't get that kind of noise when you have kids. It's it's a different, different it's a different kind of, kind of feeling. But that noise when yeah, different kind of noise, which doesn't go away by the way for, for quite a few years. But the, the noise which you get from scoring a goal is 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 phenomenal, and you can still feel it. And when you watch the games again on TV, which is which is great, and the good thing about it, I, I was come through a generation which you can rewatch those moments again. It's it's phenomenal, and and it's hairs on the back of your neck. You know, I know that's a cliche, but it is. And, and every time I watch it, it still feels like yesterday, mm. even though some of those goals are 25, 15, 16 years ago. It's great. And uh, you know what I mean? And, and I'm so lucky to, to have those moments and, uh, and things that no one can ever take away from me. You know, that I deserve those moments because I worked hard. And, and like I said earlier, I, I would have walked over my family members to get there. And I did, you know what I mean? I was very selfish. I, 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 I was very selfish with friends because I wanted to be a professional footballer. I was very driven to be that professional footballer because I knew that I had to be because I didn't have the ability that I knew some of my teammates had at the time in my up years. And I needed to stand out from the, from the crowd and, and, and I got there in the end. You mentioned earlier you kind of dropped down the leagues a little bit as your career progressed. Most recently, your most recent club was Whitby Town. Does that feeling change when you're playing for Middlesbrough and scoring goals? Or is it it at at its centre, at its core, is it the same no matter who you're playing for? Um, listen, I think obviously the, the feeling of scoring a goal doesn't change as long as you understand the reasons why you're there playing at that level, you know. I, I call it fortunate. You know, I was fortunate that I, I dragged my career out as long as I could. I had to mm. drop down to semi-professional because I couldn't train every day with an injury I picked up uh, in professional football. So I had to find a level which I was happy with. I was level which I, I could play at, and I mean physically. So the feeling of scoring a goal for, for a club which is close to my heart, which is around the corner from, um, or down the road, sorry, from where I, where I live is... is it's, it's nice because I can give something back you know it's it's nice that, that, that those kind of clubs can have that history of me playing for them that I had the history of playing the Premier League playing for country scoring goals in Premier League scoring goals at all this kind of level and it's um, it was nice to give something back and, and playing with people that I grew up with as a, as a younger mm. player so we've gone in a full circle we've started together and we've finished together and yeah it's, it's the same feeling but it's just at a different level and, and the emotions are still the same scoring goals but there's just less people there to celebrate with you do you think football's a poorer place for not having more people around now that did what you did in terms of being that little boy who ends up playing for the hometown team that is walking distance from where they grew up? You don't see that very often anymore. You don't see people playing for the hometown clubs very often, I, I guess because there's more pressure on Premier League squads to go and find the best talent from all over the world. And, and also you don't see those players that are, are those one club players. The most recent examples, I guess, being the likes of Steven Gerrard, Mark Noble. Do you think football is poorer? for not having that? A hundred percent. Listen, there's no better dream for a young player who lives in an area to have an aspiration to play for his, his team he supports in his hometown club or whatever. You know, that where do those players go and try play their football? You know, I mean, they've got to move again and, and move out of the area and, and they have their dream of coming back because recruitment teams, they look worldwide instead of looking closer to home. And, and that's heartbreaking because there's, the scary footballers, as in technically very good in local areas, and it's just about giving those players an opportunity to go and play because the the Matt Letizia's, the Stevie G's, the Mark Nobles, you know, the Andy Campbells. It's you know, what I mean, that's their dream to play for their club. And you know, I, mean, I didn't want to leave Middlesbrough, but I mm. wanted to play football. You know, what I mean, I I wanted to go and play, and I I didn't see an avenue at Middlesbrough where I was going to play much football that season. So I had to go away and play football, and I don't regret it. You know what I mean? But I would have regretted it and, and hated it if I didn't get that opportunity to play for Middlesbrough because they'd gone buy a player from Italy, Spain, Portugal, you know, and, and bring the best around the world because it's just, 
I don't, I, don't, I don't like it. You know what I mean? I, there's, there's parts of football at the minute, which the under-23s football, which I don't like. I like the Pontins League old reserve team football, which players can develop into, into men. Young players can play against men, against men, for men, with men. And I learned my trade that way and and, and, I'll, and, and I'm so grateful for it. And it made me the player that I, that I become. And I learned very quickly what it meant to play against a man and playing men's football because some players are getting to 23. Jim, never playing men's football, mm. never playing for a team, never make the debut. And if they get to 23 and haven't made your debut, is that too late? People say, you know, and, and, and they're dropping down from Premier League all the way down to not playing football again. And there's a platform for everybody, there's a level for everybody. And I, I just think that clubs have a duty for me to, to, to be honest with players and, and let them go and play football. If they're not going to play at 18, 19, 20, then maybe that's too late and they need to go and find a level that, that, that suits them. Do you think that should be some kind of more emphasis on developing local talent for Premier League teams, whether it's a, a quota, I don't know whether that's locally or whether that's just nationally, but there should be more encouragement of bringing through this young talent that has deep personal connections with the teams they're playing for. I think so. I think, uh, listen, I went up to Scotland towards the end of my professional career and uh, they had a rule in place that they had to have five homegrown players within the first team squad, one of so which had to start the game. The likes of Celtic uh, at the time, they had Sean Maloney, Aidan McGeady, you know what I mean? So they had those kind of players brought through their youth team that, that nurtured, that developed into very talented footballers who had good Premier League careers and, and one still playing now. So I think it, it helps those football clubs that can sell players on. I just think it helps aspirations. It gives players a, a summit to dream for, something to aspire, something to mm. want, want to be. Because if you've got nobody there, or there's no, there's no, there's no route for you to go down, then it's heartbreaking. Because you know what I mean. That that where, where have you got to go and play for your trade? If you got to go, if you live in the Manchester area and you can't get into the City or United area, have you got to drop down to Oldham, to Rochdale, to Macclesfield? If you, you know what I mean. You you want to try and, and emulate and, and aim as high as you can, and then if it doesn't work out there, then of course you can drop down and find the level, but and then step back up. But if the level's already tapered to where you can go then where'd you go from there because the amount of players who will be in that um, pot for, for those places then where do the, where do the other players felt around you know what I mean it's, for me it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a fair playing field with the amount of money in the in the top fight in the Premier League and the players don't filter down as, as, as well and I said earlier on about me not having the ability there's players who have so much ability who never get the opportunity to be a professional footballer because of the amount of numbers, because clubs can, can't carry that many players now, unfortunately. Mm. Before I let you go, I want to talk to you quickly about what we saw happening in the Premier League in terms of there was a bit of a stand taken by Premier League footballers and a lot of English football against online social media bullying, I guess, was at its core and the yeah. kind of abuse players receive, particularly via online. Obviously, back when you were playing, it was very different. There wasn't the same level of social media, so you weren't getting the abuse in the same fashion. But that abuse was still there. How do you cope with that as a player when you're receiving that criticism, when you're receiving that abuse? Does it... I mean, the kind of general n- narrative from the people who try to defend it is that you're paid enough as a professional footballer to just put up with it water off a duck's back kind of thing but I guess that, that's very different on a human level 100% I think listen I think uh, I think that water off a duck's back skin like a rhino people try and put these smoke screens in place to try and and, and and probably scare people off to think that footballers deserve it because they get paid very good money for me you're a human being you're a normal person you're a dad you're a son and nobody deserves this kind of abuse you know it doesn't mm. matter what colour your skin is you know it doesn't matter what colour hair you 
what colour hair you've got. Um, for me, you've just got to be, you, we're all equal, you know, that yes, we all have bad games, we all make mistakes, we all miss chances, we all score one goals, we all get sent off, we all do things that we shouldn't do, we all make mistakes. But they're natural mistakes that any human being would make and football fans have a right to have the same course to do, but have the same the right way and support players because, listen, that player plays for your football club and that player is going to do well for your football club he needs your help and your guidance and your support and if those players are getting stick and abuse they're going to be scared to make mistakes and if a player's scared to make mistakes with no footballers in the you know, we're not crowding the, in, in the stadiums at the minute how are they going to feel when there's 70,000 fans there? They're, mm. they're not going to want the ball. They're not going to be able to play. They're going to be under so, so much pressure. We talk about mental health at the minute. My, mental health within football is probably the highest it's ever been. Mental health, back in my place, was a swear word. You weren't allowed to show weakness. You weren't allowed to say that you were, that you were struggling. If you were struggling, you didn't play. If you were struggling, you got released. If you were struggling, it, it just wasn't allowed to happen. It was just, you know what I mean? It was, a, it was let's go on the drink. Let's go and socialise. Let's go and have team bonding. Let's go and do this. It's... It was still there, but it wasn't allowed to happen as, as, as freely as it happens now. And it's not a weakness. It's people are struggling to talk about how they're feeling emotionally, physically, mentally. And, you know what I mean? I just so wish that, you know what I mean? I've lost a couple of friends this year, footballers, players that I played with. You know what I mean? One at Cardiff City, Chris Barker. And uh, I so wish that people were allowed to talk back then because things would be so different now and I wouldn't have lost a close friend and someone I live with. It was, it was It's heartbreaking to think that that was still happening then but we weren't allowed to talk about it but now we're allowed to talk about it it's too late for some people and mm. for me when people do write comments on social media think twice about what you do because if that's the reason why people make the decisions that they make you could be the person which sticks that final nail in the decision you know what I mean I just beg every, anybody who does write nasty comments that think twice because celebrities footballers sportsmen general public normal people it's nice to be nice sometimes. It's nice to reach out to people. It's nice to be open. It's nice to be honest to people. But it's also nice to give constructive criticism. You know what I mean? We're all just nice people, normal people. And, and football is no different. Yes, the, the gap and the distance between fans and players is greater than it's ever been. You know what I mean? Back when I played, we have a good relationship with fans. I've got a good, great relationship with, with football fans around, around the country, with players I played with, fans I played for, and, and just general football fans from the shows that I do. But it's just nice to be nice. It's nice to have that relationship with people because uh, it's nice to give things back and, and hopefully fans understand that when they're back in the stadium that players are just normal people and the interaction can start again. Wise words, Andy. It's been a pleasure speaking. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, if people Jim. want to keep tabs on what you're doing or find you, where can they find the latest from you? I listen to my own platforms, Facebook, obviously my own name, Andy Campbell. I'm Twitter, I'm Andy Campbell 32 My direct messages are always open. LinkedIn, Instagram. Everywhere. Just Google you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got my own. I've got yeah. I've got my own football show, the Andy Campbell Football Show, which is live on Monday and the Friday. It's, is that live yeah, I'm, on YouTube? I'm, is that I'm trying everything. I love football. Yeah, we got live live on Facebook, YouTube, uh-huh. Periscope, Twitter, etc. So we're live at seven o'clock on a Friday, talking Championship football only. And we're live on a Monday normally with a guest looking back at their career, which is great. I'm a I'm a super fan. I love talking, asking questions, and finding out about their person as well as a footballer. And, uh, and yeah, I just love it. I, I, I adore what I do, and I really look forward to my Fridays and my Mondays. Andy, absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Fab. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for listening to this episode of Football Stories from the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed Season 2 and you've listened to all the episodes in Season 2, why not go back to Season 1 and listen to some of the untold stories from off the pitch. And if you happen to be a sport content creator, if you've got your own podcast, why not come and join the Sports Social Podcast Network? Find more information or find your next favourite sport podcast by searching Sports Social Podcast Network. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Sports Social Podcast Network.